Welcome, you delicious crumpets, to Cop On Podcast. My name is Owen. Um, I've got, uh, I'm absolutely delighted that uh, I've got Brian on the line, uh, Abdul on the line. Brian's in Hong Kong, Abdul's in London, and Lucy's joining us for the first time on Cop On. Lucy, who's a Crystal Palace fan, and um, I want to start with you, Lucy, by welcoming you to Cop On. It's very good of you uh, to, to join us. I just wonder if you could tell our listeners uh, about your journey with with Crystal Palace how you know how did you become a Crystal Palace fan please hello um thanks very much for having me on journey as a Crystal Palace fan is very emotional as always um it's my <laughs> local team so uh I'm from Croydon my parents house is just kind of 15 minutes from Selhurst Park so it's very much part of the family um which means that I've been through the ups and downs, started out in Division One, um, been through promotion, been through relegation, and very happy in this newfound premiership stability. Um, but, yeah, new era under Vieira, so all still very exciting. Let's see how we carry on with our mid-table mediocrity that seems to be the new, uh, the new order of the day for the Palace faithful. Well... I mean, as you say, relatively compared to where, where you've been uh, over the past, uh, you know, let's say 20 years, for example, then it's uh, it's pretty good so far. But I mean, what do, what do you make of um, Vieira and, and his approach? I know it's very early to tell, but what, you know, are you encouraged by the start so far? Um, super early days. Yes and no. I mean, I think um, the transfer window has been great for us. Um, I think some super exciting uh, new additions and, you know, quite a clear aim to go for kind of bright young sparks, which I think is a bit what, what's been missing, you know, like the squad that we've had for the last few years has been very stable, very reliable, very Roy Hodgson, you know, um, like the oldest club in the Premiership. Um, so I think it's great to have that kind of new, fresh blood and, and a real clear ambition, right, to come with with bright young things and much more forward looking. Like, you know, even even the defenders he's brought on are very kind of, yeah, comfortable going forwards. Um, but, yeah, early days. And I think there is a bit of a fear of you know, perhaps Vieira, the kind of players and the kind of environment that he's used to being in is perhaps not exactly the setup that he's going to find at Palace. Um, so whether he finds a groove or not, let's see. But I think, I mean, certainly promising signs. I mean, obviously, you know, winning 3-0 um, last week was brilliant. And yesterday there were, you know, lots and lots of positives for us to take away. Um, I don't think the, you know, the scoreline kind of reflects how well we played. So, Lots of positive signs, but very early days, and I think, yeah, there are there are reasons to be cautious in the optimism. Let's say. And is any of that um, caution uh, inspired? If inspired is probably the wrong word, but informed by yesterday's results. I mean, I I thought Palace were very unlucky to lose three nil. Of course, I'm really happy with the result, as as Brian and Abdul are, and we're gonna talk to them in just a moment but Lucy I just wonder how how you felt in general about yesterday's result 
I mean, I thought we played really well, um, full transparency. Um, my internet connection was very dodgy, so I didn't see much of the first half. Um, but from what I saw in the second half, I thought we played really, really positively. Um, lots, you know, lots to be optimistic about. But the one thing I would say was that I did have a bit of a, you know, a feeling of many, many games having watched Arsenal in the past and coming away saying they played brilliantly, but they still didn't win. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's one thing I'd be a bit worried about. Okay, it's, you know, it, it's great that if he can change the way we play to get into kind of nicer, prettier football, obviously that's brilliant. Um, and of course, it's really, really early to be critical in this way. But like, you know, if you don't take those chances, um, if you don't actually manage to score and however well you play to come away with, a, you know, with a scoreline that is 3-0, like by any definition, that's a bad day at the office. Like even if there was a lot to be happy about in the performance. So, um, yeah, I mean, we have to, it's it's great that they play, are playing more positively. It's great that there are kind of chances being created. Um, but now I guess they have to work on that kind of, yeah, like the final getting it past the post. But at the same time, try not to lose what we've had for the last what like eight ten years like not to lose that solidity in the defense because that's what you know that's what we really had so you know so sewn up under the Hodgson era was that we had you know an excellent flat back four like it was you know um this is what we did very well but if you're conceding you know it's not just that we're not scoring if you're conceding three um you know that's that's a bit worrying I guess that's all part and parcel of you know while you're taking apart the old approach and building something new it's natural that you know that things wobble a little bit but um yeah I think we need to be careful about not losing our defensive strength yeah, it's very interesting. And it was interesting to to hear Patrick Vieira's post-match interview when he was talking about, you know, the disappointment he felt that all three goals came from set pieces, which is sort of uncharacteristic for Palace. But uh, no, that, I mean, it's really nice to hear to hear your views from, from the outside, to hear the game from a Palace perspective, or at least, you know, the, you know we'll get on to talk about a lot more about the game uh, as we go. But for now, I just, I want to switch to the Liverpool side of things. And Abdul, um, the first thing I thought, I was woken up at about 5.30 this morning by uh, the buzzing of a mosquito in my ear. And once I got over the initial annoyance of that uh, whiny little terror, um, I my thoughts immediately turned to uh, you know Naby Keita, Mo Salah, uh, Sadio Mane, and just how wonderful it is you know to to get a result like that against Palace, and how wonderful it is to watch the Reds these days. And I just wonder how what what your general feelings are, um, especially with City dropping points. How do you feel, Abdul? Yeah, it was a great great win yesterday, actually. Um... I think one of the the best win of the season so far, I'd say. Not because of, I don't know, who did we beat earlier? But not, not because of, um, you know, because Palace is such a great team to beat, but it just felt like a really good win yesterday. The way that we scored the three goals from three set pieces um, and then, you know, Salah whipping his top off, Cato with an iconic celebration that's going to be remembered down the decades, um, yeah, it's just just a great day at the office overall. We switched up the entire back four, and we still managed to keep a clean sheet. I mean, Allison was huge. Um, there, there literally wasn't a single bad point about yesterday. 
apart from maybe a bit of sloppy defending in the first half, which Lucy probably missed. But um, apart from that, yeah, Thiago's injury, that might be a bit of a downside. But in general, just great vibes. Liverpool, we're on the up, um, loving life. So, yeah, great, great day. Excellent stuff. Brian, Brian is, you know, you're normally a, an optimistic man, Brian. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot, you know, since pre-season about how, you know, despite all the negativity, all of the, you know, um, you know, toxic sludge on Twitter, we've remained optimistic throughout that we do have, you know, if not the best team in the country, then one of the best teams in the country. And it's absolutely um, superb to see them actually uh, showing that you know I don't know that we we I don't know we're top of the league we we're, we're hard to score against we're we're scoring regularly uh, you know three goals these <laughs> this week and um, I don't know it's it's these are great times Brian how are you feeling I'm feeling brilliant feeling absolutely brilliant uh, just back to back awesome games the. The Champions League game midweek was just quality, completely. Like the, the the kind of games you you, you know you live for as a, as a fan, it was brilliant. It was everything Liverpool are in Europe. It was you know, and then this game, I, I think you win the league by winning games like these. I mean, Crystal Palace were excellent; they were awesome, and I I always have got a lot of respect for Crystal Palace as a team. Um, they've they've always got fast, dangerous players. They can hurt you. Um, it's the kind of team that you kind of have to put two past them just to kind of shut them down. If you if if you don't, then it could be a very very difficult day for you. And uh, you know, it was probably the shakiest start we've had for quite some time. Um, when um, my friend said, "Though, have you seen the have you seen the team sheet?" Uh, I just assumed, yeah, maybe Virgin. Kanate is, is is starting. I kind of expected that, but when there was four, albeit very good players, four changes at the back, I just thought, oh god, this has got the potential to be really bad. But hey, we've got the best goalkeeper in the world, we've got the best defender in the world, we've got the best right back in the world, best left back in the world, best holding midfield player in the world, best striker in the world. We've got a bloody good team, and uh, they're all going to find out about it this season because everything's back. The fans are back. You know, we're all about team and and the fans and atmosphere. And last year was just this weird clinical anomaly that will hopefully never happen again. And, uh, you know, I'm loving it. It's fantastic. And it was such a good performance by both teams. And for us to dig a result out of that, it was it said a lot about us. Lovely stuff. Yeah, I've got the, all of the shots in front of me where they were taken from. It's from Understat, the brilliant Understat.com. Um, they put the XG for Liverpool um, at 2.77 and the XG for Crystal Palace 0 0.64. But Palace had 13 shots. They had one, two, three, four, five, six from inside the box. And then, of course, they had that huge chance for Odson Edouard where he just took a heavy touch in the second half and, it, you know, it allowed Alisson to sort of, you know, react and push it away. Um, so he didn't really get a shot off because that was probably Palace's best chance. But I just think, Lucy, that there's, there's a lot. I mean, 
I've, I've, I can't remember how long Copon's been going now. Four, this is season four. Yeah, season four of Copon. And I've looked at stats for every single match. And honestly speaking, apart from when, you know, we've had to play, you know, Bill from down the pub at centre-back, um, when we've had, a, you know, a more or less, you know, very competitive team like we did yesterday, it's hard to get 13 shots against Liverpool. And I just wonder if, Lucy, you were talking about defensive stability uh, before, but how much did, did Palace, um, you know, um, impress you? Going forward, because I thought they were very good, especially after Edouard came on. He looks like a, a proper talent, as they say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think what was what was exciting about it was that it was kind of, you know, it's not thinking about one individual, right? In the past, we'd talk about Zaha making amazing runs and doing incredible stuff. But this was really, it was kind of the whole the whole emphasis of the team seemed to be going forward. Like I thought Mitchell made some really exciting runs. I mean, they're like what a great signing like I think he's super super exciting um Zaha did well although I mean when I saw the the Liverpool team sheet I was thinking like um you know I thought I thought Zaha would would have quite a good day um in the end I thought you know Milner plays so intelligently I mean you know just like such a huge mismatch in pace Zaha was kind of handled unfortunately for us a lot better than I expected him to be so he wasn't he wasn't super lively, but, you know, that's also what we need is not to, you know, not to just rely on Wilf, right? You need to be able to have this emphasis coming from the whole team. And that was definitely there. Like, it was much more positive play. You could tell that everybody, you know, wanted to push forward, which was brilliant for us. Um, I thought Edward, yeah, looked, looked super lively when he came on. I think he, you know, it was disappointing that he didn't score with that first touch. was super heavy. Um, and then IU, I mean, IU, I thought, had kind of the worst game for us um, because there were a couple of moments like I mean he had that awful free kick where he just hit it straight into the wall and then there was another where he like made a run and Zaha was completely open like Zaha had totally lost Milner he was in tons of space um, and and Ayu didn't you know didn't cross went for it himself and that was a dreadful decision so he had a bad game um but if you know if you take him out of it otherwise I thought the forward play was was really positive and really kind of like a team thing rather than it just being you know relying on one talisman up front which is you know obviously what we're what we've been used to in days of yore so yeah no super super positive going forwards it's a brilliant answer, yeah, because Zaha versus Milner was was something that I identified as well as sort of a, a potential, um, you know, mismatch. But, you know, it, in the end, it was the other way, Abdul. I mean, you know, I don't know how many people um, know this. Probably most of you, maybe even 95% of our listeners know this, but it was Lionel Messi, I believe, who called James Milner El Burro, which means the donkey. But... El burro magnifico, el burro stupendo. Yesterday against Palace, yesterday as we're recording this, was the best in the whole match in terms of passes, passes in the opposition half, crosses, distance covered, touches of the ball and sprints. He was he was top of all of that. But more than that, psychologically, he was not giving an inch uh, to, he wasn't giving a nanometer 
to Wilfred Zaha, who's 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 had many players on toast with a cup of tea on the side uh, in the Premier League over the years. So, Abdul, James Milner, he's 35 years old. Is I mean, have you ordered uh, your sort of poster of him yet? Or are you going to do that after this call? Well, yeah, absolutely incredible performance from him yesterday, considering as well he wasn't even um, slated to start before Trent got ill yesterday morning at breakfast. Um, and just like Klopp said after the match, it was... It was a really good performance. I think Klopp said it was his favourite performance of the match, his man of the match. Personally, for me, I thought it was Alisson yesterday. And um, I just read an absolutely mental stat, which I have to read out on this on this pod. Um, Alisson's Premier League form, uh, this is from John Harrison, by the way, at JHD Harrison 1 on Twitter. But he says, um, Alisson's Premier League form is an absolute joke. He's faced seven 1v1 situations so far this season, and he saved every single one. And uh, this guy's model, because uh, he's a statistician, predicts that an average Premier League goalkeeper would have conceded around four goals from those situations by now. But Alisson so far has a 100% record. And um, early in the match, I thought Alisson definitely kept us in the match. I, uh, Milner played a great game and yeah, he absolutely locked down Zaha. There's a lot of fear on the timeline before that, oh, Zaha spun um, Milner before, what's Milner going to be able to do this time? But yeah, he was absolutely solid um, the entire way through, got really involved in the play, getting down the wing, just gave us everything that we needed with uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold out because um, it's hard to replace him, Trent. But yeah, Milner did a very, very decent job. But there was one moment in the first half where he went to sleep and uh, I think the space between him and Konate, somebody breezed through and they could have had a huge chance for Palace. But um, yeah, Alisson saved us. But I think the best thing with Milner is uh, we talk about Cristiano Ronaldo, how he's like going to be going until he's 40 because of his physique and Zlatan and all of these people. Milner is possibly even more professional than them when it comes to looking after himself. So I really don't know how long he could keep going. Um, he only has, I think, a year left on his Liverpool contract. I don't know what he wants to do. If he feels like he's at a stage of his career where he can carry on playing more games or he could play even more games than he's getting at Liverpool now, maybe he fancies a move away to a different club. Um, but if not, I would just keep giving him contracts until the day he decides to call it a day, whether that's at 45 or maybe even 50 because he literally looks fit, fit as a fiddle and he provides so much to our team, whether it's right back, left back, centre mid, or just the leadership qualities that he brings, or even just the Twitter banter. I just I just love James Milner and uh, yeah, I'm glad we have him and hopefully he stays here as long as possible. Yeah, super answer. Jimmy Milner. Wow, what a guy. Um, um, another guy who was who scored his 100th goal, for Liverpool, this is in all competitions, right? He's he's had 205 starts. I think it's 224 total appearances, including substitution appearances. But 205 starts, 100 goals and 35 assists, Brian. Um, Super Sadio, the main man, Mane, uh, on the left wing. I mean, he's done it all from the left wing. Uh, I, I love the guy. I love all of our team. But Sadio Mane, this season, oh, I mean, last week he had 10 shots. And I was saying that 
that's absolutely terrific. He only scored one of them, but it's absolutely terrific to have 10 shots. And Jürgen Klopp said the same thing, that it's amazing that he's getting into these positions. But he just seems to have, you know, whereas there were doubts and he doubted himself last season, this season with the crowd in, he's he he's looking especially like he just wants to, he just wants to, you know, destroy defences again. And... It's it's he's been absolutely wonderful for us. He's one of my favourite players probably ever that I've seen wearing a Liverpool shirt. And he's not even I don't know. I can't say for sure that he's my favourite player in this team because I love them all so much. It's it's crazy. But Sadio Mane, um, talk to me about how uh, you know your 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 admiration for the main man. I'm just really really happy for him because it seems like he's he's obviously a player that that uh lives off the crowd and and um you know it, when when the stadiums are full of fans it really seems to lift his game he reacts to to the crowd whether it's home or away and um <clears throat> you know he for such a long time he's been our, one of our most consistent players he 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 an entire season pulled us across the line. For me, he was, I think it was a couple of seasons ago, he was the player that really, really, really wanted it more than any player on the pitch. And sometimes I feel sorry for him because he, and people sleep on him a little bit because he plays under the very long shadow of uh, Salah. And uh, I, I mean, I personally think he is as good as Salah, but uh, I think where Salah kind of pips him in terms of... Um, uh, overall skills, Salah just is a bit more consistent um, than Mane. But yeah, he, he look. He's. I thought he's. I thought he was great in preseason. He looked like back to his his strong best. Um, I thought it was brilliant how he just kept on plugging away. Uh, last game, not this game, when you know he was missing shot after shot, and rather than getting frustrated, he was smiling, and that's what you want. He was getting to the right places. And, ah, oh, I mean, what a player he is. He's an amazing player. So, you know, he, every, every player goes through dips in form. He's gone through a little bit of a dip, and he's coming out of it now. And, wow, if we have him firing on all four cylinders and Mo firing on on the other side, what a season uh, we're in for. But I was so happy. I mean, I knew, I absolutely knew he was going to score. <laughs> uh, when you know realize he's won away from 100 it's crystal palace he's scored against crystal palace seven times in a row i believe oh no nine times maybe i don't know he's got he, he broke some kind of record yesterday scoring against crystal palace and and you know he's such a such again i mean there's a lot of very decent people in our team not just great football players but he's a very sweet guy what he what he does off the pitch as well which doesn't get talked about is uh is pretty amazing so i'm, I'm chuffed for him and long may it continue super stuff yeah sorry to talk about sadio mani lucy you must be absolutely sick of the guy but in, in terms of playing against liverpool and trying to stop the front three yesterday, of course, it had uh, Jota and, and Mo Salah and Sadio Mane. And I don't know how, how you're supposed to stop them, Lucy. I'm so sorry to be to sound smug about it or anything, but it's just these guys are incredible. I mean, I, I know I'm not uh, in any way objective. Um, I'm, I, in fact, I spent all of 
all of yesterday's games game just just looking at our players and only after we were three nil up for the last minute was i like right i'm gonna actually concentrate on crystal palace now and i you know really concentrated uh, on uh, Connor gallagher for like the last sort of you know two or three minutes when i was sure that palace weren't gonna score three um so i don't know from when you're watching the game from a palace perspective or even the second half um is there a- anything that can be done to stop this team? Because we had 25 shots. Um, Diego Jota missed a sitter as well. Um, but most of them were inside the box. And I just wonder, you know, how hard it is to, you know, what would you do to change it, Lucy? Next time we play each other, how can you stop them? Because it's it's got to be a real nightmare for opposition managers and and fans right yeah I mean Liverpool's a incredible team right super difficult to play against and I think um yeah I mean there's there's a big gulf in quality I think between Palace and Liverpool obviously um so you're always going to be a a super hard team to play against and I think Liverpool have got a a great chance of winning the league this year um you, you know you play such great football and you've got such a talented squad I think, I mean, we did defend really badly. Um, I mean, the third goal, like, you know, like that was an amazing goal. I'm not sure there's anything we could have done about it. But that said, um, you know, he was in a ton of space right on the edge of the box. There was nobody closing him down. Um, You know, again, the Salah goal, um, you know, Rudeval was asleep. There was very poor defending for that. You know, everybody was kind of static in the box. Um, like I don't think you know I don't think you can stop Liverpool from scoring um, but I do think you know that all three of the goals that we gave away were yeah somehow sloppy but um, but yeah I mean there's just a goal in, in quality and I think you know for anybody lining up against Liverpool it's going to be so daunting um, you know and against players like Mane and Salah like yeah I mean what are you going to do <laughs> You think that, you know, in this, yeah, now I think it's it's nine nine consecutive goals, I think, for Mane against Palace. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just horrible. Imagine being those defenders. Imagine being Quater going into that game. Like, what kind of psychology do you have knowing that, you know, the last eight times he played against you, he scored? Like, it was, yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing to prepare for mentally, I think, as much as anything else. Um, but yeah, I mean, Liverpool's, you know, it's, a, it's an incredible squad and I think you've got a great chance this season. It's lovely to hear. Thank you for, for your generosity. Of, uh, but I, I thought there was um, one positive, Lucy, staying with you from yesterday, a really big positive, actually, was, was Tyrick Mitchell's performance against Mohamed Salah. Now, Mohamed Salah is like um, a beast, a machine, um, a phenomenon. Uh, This season, he's got six goals, I think, in five matches, including the Champions League or something like that. I've lost count, to be honest, and two assists, but he's just been danger, 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 nonstop. Tyrick Mitchell, 22 years old, against him yesterday, he had eight tackles in the match, four interceptions and five clearances. And if you compare that to Joel Ward on the other side against Sadio Mane, who, who I don't think had a bad game. I don't think your defenders played very badly. But uh, Joel Ward had um, four tackles, no interceptions and four clearances. So Tyrick Mitchell, eight tackles, four interceptions, 
five clearances. Um, you know, going forward, he was, uh, you know, he didn't, okay, he didn't offer much going forward because Palace didn't get forward that much. But I think it's very positive that you've got, uh, you know, a, a young guy there who's just full of energy and he's combative and he looks like a, a proper talent, Lucy. He looks like a real player. Like he, he's he's a real bright spark for Palace. Yeah, absolutely. I think he um I think he played really well yesterday. And I think okay, he didn't have much chance to get forward, but when he did, he looked lively. I mean, you can tell you can tell by the way he plays that he wants to get forward. Um, you know, there were okay, probably literally a couple, like two two little runs he made down the left side. But I thought, um, yeah, I mean, the spark is there, the threat is there. Um, and no, I thought he did a he did a really good job. I mean, he's definitely yeah. I mean, part of this kind of new wave of of a bit of the fresh blood. I mean, obviously he's been with us for a couple of years. Um, but now I think he's, I think he's, yeah, somebody that you can build a team around. Um, if he, you know, if he keeps on going in the direction he is, I think he'd be a, you know, a huge asset for us this season. Yeah, he's very exciting, very exciting player. Um, Abdul, speaking of exciting, I mean, Mo Salah, just to stay on him for a moment because, I mean, he scored that that goal. That, I mean, Mitchell had just gone down. If you remember, he had just gone down with like, well, he'd been he'd been clattered. He actually gave away a foul, but he was. He was clattered at the same time by Milner and he was sort of hobbling a bit. And then when when Edouard flicked the ball behind for a corner, Mitchell was on the near post, leaving um, Riedeveld, who was again, again, was the guilty party. He was the one who was supposed to be picking Salah up, but Salah managed to get free at the back post and, and the finish was superb. And a stat that I got from Twitter, from actually your account, from at watch underscore lfc which everyone should follow if you don't already superb account um i read that salah now has 98 goals or assists in 101 home games and that just gave me the shivers the shivers of joy uh abdul talk to me about mo salah mo salah keeps going from strength to strength all his enemies probably just thinking oh he's gonna He's gonna fall off next season. He's gonna do this. He's gonna no, no. He's he's here to stay. Absolutely, just possibly the best player in the world at the moment. Um, just because Messi hasn't really settled in yet at PSG, but yeah, like literally unbelievable um, player. I remember the other night after he beat AC Milan, he's up on a up at two a.m. doing laps in the swimming pool, posting it on Instagram, um, getting a little pump in. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, his physique is incredible and the goals have always been there. But I think the most impressive thing about him yesterday is the fact that he started to play a bit more football. Um, he was dropping deeper, picking up the ball, um, in areas which we don't usually see him picking up the ball and getting really involved in the midfield play, passing it dropping to space to make himself available for other players. It was um, kind of what Klopp was saying uh, in, an, in, a, in a press conference this week, talking about how we have a really nice triangle on the right-hand side of the pitch that was developing between Trent and Harvey Elliott when he was there and Salah. Obviously now Henderson's in there, but Salah's taken that mantle. I think he's trying to... Um, not just be all about the goals anymore. He's trying to really have an impact in the team in other areas of the pitch. And that's great um, because I think the problem 
with teams uh, that Salah goes up against in the in the previous few seasons, it's been they really focus on defending against him, which you should because he scores a lot of goals, and um, it's led to him having less and less space and just being a tougher situation for him in general. And I think him dropping deeper onto the pitch and freeing up space and doing a lot more in other areas is actually going to be beneficial for him, for his goal scoring, because it's going to make the defences move about a bit. It's going to make spaces pop up and it could take his goal scoring to another level, which would be even even scarier. But yeah, um, his Twitter posts last night, just saying how much he loves the fans. It doesn't sound like a guy who is uh, on the verge of not signing a contract for Liverpool, is it? Sounds like he's very much here to stay. Sounds like he loves the club. And he has been, yeah, one of the best players in the world since he walked through the door. I literally cannot, we cannot as fans have asked for any more from Mo Salah than what we've got. So yeah, absolutely just over the moon with him. It's a superb answer. Yeah, I've got that tweet in front of me that you just mentioned. Um, it was 12 hours ago as we were recording this, so that would be uh, uh, tw- uh, 25 minutes to 1am. Mo Salah's on his phone or his computer, you never know, and he's tweeting, you, the fans, keep me going. You give me more strength than I think you'll ever know. And that was beautiful. Um, I want to weep with joy. Because Mo Salah is, 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 again, one of my heroes. One of my heroes. One of the best attackers I've ever seen in a red red shirt. You could, poof, I mean, he's certainly up there with, with Rush, with Suarez, uh, Fowler. A very young Michael Owen. He's better than him. Um, I, I put Salah on, uh, just Salah and Suarez and Ian Rush. Uh, Torres as well. Oh, my Lord. We've had some, we've been very lucky, Brian, to have some, marvellous attackism Brian we've, we've, we've also been very lucky another milestone yesterday was that uh, Virgil van Dijk played his 100th game for Liverpool in the Premier League 100 games in the Premier League for Virgil van Dijk 100 pretty much 100 joyful games although in that I mean he's great his record's nuts 76 wins 16 draws and only eight losses in a hundred games and just before i was looking up harry Maguire's um premier league record and i think this is not just at manchester united i think this is at leicester as well i think though it's not clear on the site but anyway 177 appearances only 46 clean sheets um and i'm trying to see how many games he's won yet so 73 wins and 177 appearances and 61 losses for Harry Maguire 61 losses in 177 games Brian Virgil's had eight losses in 100 games uh crazy yeah he's uh he's different gravy though let's be honest he's in a special category all of his own I mean the guy comes back from an ACL injury and immediately we stop leaking goals straight away. Clean sheet, clean sheet, clean sheet. He drops out the team for one game. Goals come, two goals come in against us in the first half. He comes back, clean sheet. It's amazing. He is amazing. He's unbelievable. Um, and he has such an aura about him. Um, 
I mean, you just run out of you run out of words to say about the guy. He's just a special player, and uh, you kind of know how special he is because he's universally considered the best defender on the planet. Anybody, I, I, the amount of times I've heard other fans say, "Oh, which." Actually, I was watching a YouTube video uh, where they were asking um, Everton fans which player would they have out of um, Liverpool, and they, you know, they all reluctantly said, "Yeah, Virgil." You know, because everybody wants Virgil. If you ask any fan of any team which player you could have from Liverpool, I'd say the majority of them would say Virgil Van Dijk because he makes every team better, and um, and you know, just a good. Good guys. Well, I don't know if you guys followed the the stuff on LFC TV as well. The behind the scenes, it's always good banter with him. He's uh, you know he's a very cool dude, but he's always, he doesn't take himself too seriously, and he's just a born winner. You know, you see when he he's got that look in his eye that he just this is my area. You're not getting anything from here, and we're just spoiled. I mean, it's ironic now that we look at our our defense, um, considering what what we had to endure last year. Um, but my God, if Virgil uh, stays fit and you know Matip continues to play the way he's playing, Kanate can play the way he's we, we know he can play, and uh, even Gomez comes back, we, we're just we're just looking so strong at the back now, and uh, yeah, he's a special. I feel privileged to be to be watching him. That's the you know that's the best thing I can say about him right now. It does feel like that. Yeah, it's just every game is just a privilege to watch. Um, you know, which is probably a bit sickening, Lucy. Sorry about that, but uh, there you go. It's just, it's just a complete joy. We're we're just in dreamland watching these heroes play. But can Chelsea, I just ask? Sorry, sorry, can I just ask one thing? I just like I w- w- wouldn't mind uh, asking Lucy something. Um, that uh, is it. Connor Gallagher was that his Connor name? Connor Gallagher, yeah. Man, yeah. he's a player. He, I, I, like I spotted him straight away. I, I, I watched Crystal Palace play early on in the season, and, and straight away he caught my attention. And then when I found out he was on loan from Chelsea, I was like, yeah, obviously, <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> but he looks, he looks some player. He really does. Sorry, I was just going to say because that that was where exactly where I was going, Brian. You read my mind. Thank you very much, Chelsea. <laughs> but I didn't realise. I didn't realise. I thought he was permanently just so every all the listeners are clear. Conor Gallagher was just on loan at Crystal Palace. I thought he was a permanent signing. But go on, Lucy. Talk to us about that exciting young young gun. Yeah, super exciting. He um he was part of that England under seventeens that won the World Cup um in 2017 um so him and Gehi played together at Chelsea and played together in this England under 17s um squad that did so well so I think yeah to have the two of them together um is super super exciting so you know to bring them in now um but yes unfortunately it is just alone uh but yeah, I mean, he's clearly very talented um, and, and looks hungry for it, right? I mean, that's, you know, he's he's got a point to prove. He's, um, yeah, so no, I think I think he'll definitely be one to watch. And, and you know, he's going to be a handful for anybody coming up against him. But no, we were we were all very excited about him coming up. Yeah, great stuff. So he's had he's had uh, four appearances in the Premier League now. Three hundred and sixty minutes. He's played all of the get all of the minutes. Um, this site fbref.com doesn't count injury time or additional time. So he's played all four of the matches. Um, Three hundred and sixty minutes plus injury time. Uh, two goals and one assist. Um, 
and he's in the 96th percentile for for pressing so he's a pressing machine um 91st percentile for blocks uh his touches in the attacking penalty area compared to other midfielders he's in the 80th percentile for that but he just he, he just looks to pro- progress the ball all the time he's just you know he's just really really direct um but in the best way possible and uh, enthusiastic uh superb he had uh, two key passes yesterday which was the most uh, equal most along with uh Riedervelt, who obviously made those two defensive errors but also had two key passes yesterday for crystal palace um you know passing wise he had a 81.5 percent passing accuracy connor gallagher which is very very good uh because he was you know trying for example four long balls he tried four long balls and they were all accurate um he tried eight crosses which is by far the most because he was the set piece taker, I suppose. Uh, and three of those were accurate. So all of the set pieces looked looked pretty dangerous uh, for Crystal Palace. So yeah, he was, it was a really good performance um, from him. And, uh, you know, well done. I, 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 I just can't wait to see him linking up with Edouard and, and uh, Zaha and all, and all the good players. I really think Crystal Palace have got a lot to look forward to this season. And speaking of looking forward, Lucy, your next matches are against Brighton at home and then Leicester at home and then Arsenal away and then Newcastle at home. Um, how many points would you be expecting from out, out of 12 there? Maybe maybe six, maybe, maybe more, Lucy? Brighton's always a, a massive game for us. And I think, yeah, I mean, we've we've got to take three points from that. Um, I mean, you, I guess you don't know how the mood in the squad is going to be after this weekend. But I would hope that, um, you know, that there's enough positives to be taken out of yesterday that they can go into Brighton feeling confident. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, we've had, you know, like our like the first few games of the season were very top heavy, right? We knew we were playing the toughest clubs first. So, um, and I think there's, you know, there's still a lot of confidence that can be taken from that. So hopefully now going into on paper an easier run than what we've had so far um, is where we need to pick up some points. But um, yeah, cautious as always, actually. Brighton always want to beat us. So I think, I mean, it will be, it will be, yeah, it'll be a great game. It's Monday, isn't it? Um, I think we have a, we have a week off and then it's Monday night. I think we have Brighton. Um, So yeah, but if, you know, if we, if we get, if we can get three points from Brighton, um, then that will, you know, that will really give a a boost in kind of, yeah, so many different ways. It's always huge for us. So um, that could, that could really set off a, a good run of, for us hopefully leading up to Christmas I think that's your hardest game though Brighton even though it's at it's at home um because I would fancy you getting three points against Leicester Arsenal and Newcastle before Brighton because I really rate Brighton which you probably don't want to hear either but um I think they're very very good and very well organized um but yeah I I think Leicester are you know low-key I mean they're, they're they're 19th in terms of expected goals in in the Premier League, this is we're recording before they play Brighton today, actually. But um, I just I'm not convinced by them at all, really. I mean, Patson Dacker is gonna come good at some point, but I think you've got you've got a big chance. I mean, what what do you think, Abdul, from the outside as well? A Crystal about Crystal Palace. I mean, Brighton, uh, Leicester, Arsenal, and Newcastle. Three of them are home games for Palace. What? How many points do you reckon they'll they'll get from those four fixtures, Abdul? 
Honestly, you're probably right. I think the Brighton fixture might be the toughest one for them, uh, just because Leicester, I'm not sure how they started this season, but yeah, it doesn't feel like they're so solid at centre-back. Arsenal, again, a bit shaky. And Newcastle, <laughs> apparently I was wrong when I said that Steve Bruce is a good manager on one of your shows a few <laughs> weeks ago, because <laughs> apparently they're not doing quite well. So um, yeah, Brighton are doing quite well. And um, yeah, I think every match that Brighton play in at the moment is just a really interesting match, just to see if Graham Potter can keep this kind of going. Um, but Palace in general as a club, I was I don't know if I said it on your show, but I think it's really interesting the fact that they went for Vieira instead of, you know, maybe some other kind of Premier League adjacent manager like Lampard or someone else who's got experience in the Premier League. They went for a progressive manager after years of having a tight defence and, you know, solid football with Roy. They've made some really interesting signings. Conor Gallagher. I didn't know he was actually part of the um, under-17 squad because I, I remember Colin Gallagher playing at Swansea with Rian Brewster and they had a phenomenal link-up. And um, I was thinking like, wow, maybe they used to play with each other at Chelsea because Brewster came from Chelsea, but no, it was Chelsea and England. And um, yeah, Conor Gallagher, what a player, honestly. Just another one off the conveyor belt from um, the England setup at the moment. Just really modern midfielder, can do it all. Um, going frontwards, going backwards, sideways, dribbling, goals, assists. He, he wants to be the all round midfielder so that's a really exciting player to watch at Palace Michael Olise Eberechi Ezi is coming back from injury very soon um, I was a bit concerned about Palace's kind of like defence because they got rid of a few like players who have been there for a very long time Gary Cahill I'm not sure if Joel Ward is still there I think he probably is but yeah, he played uh, yesterday yeah Joel Ward against did. Mane and then yeah. um, is Martin Kelly still there I know he didn't no, get he's gone. so much. Oh, he's yeah. gone. Okay. Oh no, he's he's uh, no. Sorry, he's. I mean, he hasn't played for a while, but he's still around. I think he's. I don't know if he signed an extension or not, but he's still, yeah, hovering in the yeah. background. Yeah. So just a lot of interesting moves at Palace, and I still think that they 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 need a few more, and that will definitely come with the next few windows. But so far, really strong core, and I don't think that they will drop out of the Premier League. Because that that would be the worst thing, wouldn't it? Just you lose Vieira, you bring in Vieira for one season, suddenly you're relegated. But I think as long as he manages to keep the mid table and then use the transfer windows to build on what he's got, I think Palace could really become an interesting team in the league. Somewhere around like um, what Leeds and Villa are trying to do. It's a really good answer. I think that I think the. They're already there. I think they're going to finish above Leeds this season. I think. Uh, I think. I think Palace have they've got all the tools to do so. Um, uh, and it'll be it'll be really yeah that'll be great to watch I'm sure we you know I'm gonna gonna follow them quite closely throughout the season uh, but you know speaking of our next four matches Liverpool's next four matches we've got Brentford away Man City at home Watford away and then Man United away um, it's it's you know it's tasty it's tastier than some of these you know French bistros that have you know, three Michelin stars within about an hour's walk from where I am now that I, I could never dream of going to because it's like 300 euros for lunch and that kind of thing. But, you know, the, those fixtures are even tastier. Brentford away, Man City at home, Watford away and Man United away. Um, Brian, of course, City, they, you know, couldn't hit a barn door with a spatula or whatever the 
however the uh, the saying goes uh, yesterday um uh yeah city are playing chelsea next as well they're playing <laughs> they're playing chelsea at stamford bridge it could be if they lose to chelsea and then if they lose to liverpool um we could be i've got to do the maths <laughs> 10 points ahead of them in two yes. weeks time <laughs> um brian um, what do you reckon to, to uh, I don't know, any of that? You know, Brentford, City, Watford, Man United, the general state of play, Liverpool going forward. Are you just, I don't know, how are you feeling about it all? I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing City play Chelsea. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> it really is. And the, and the cracks are starting to show at uh, City. I know we've said that before, but um, Pep hasn't come out and basically said, I'm I'm definitely off before and you know what is the point of doing that what is the what do you gain by 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 saying that i i just think that was a bad move um on on his half and then you know the whole stadium empty and uh leaks coming out now that you know he's he's saying this and that in the dressing room and we all know that pep's quite an emotional character and um already the pressure's on you know i think he knows the challenge that that that's uh, ahead of them uh, this season, and and they they're held the scrutiny over City and Pep Guardiola is very always very high. You get the feeling that the the press are just ready to pounce because I don't think he manages them very well. Um, and then they play PSG as well, right before they play us uh, again. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I mean, I don't normally watch PSG play, but I'll watch that game for sure. Um, Brentford, I love Brentford. They're great fun. Um, I, it'll be good to see. Uh, I, I hope he puts out a very um, experimental team. I really, I don't really care for the EFL at all. I just find a bit of a distraction, even even for giving players on the fringe um, game time. I think I've, I think I've moved on from that now as a fan. Um, I'm not sure how much what what the value of the EFL is. Um, but yeah, no, look, I'm I, I think so far so good it's it's been a brilliant brilliant start to the season and um even our champions league game uh porto away we you know their defender their center back who's played pretty much every game for them all season was sent off straight red last game so he won't be playing for our game so uh yeah i'm looking forward to watching obviously i'll watch them all and i'll watch the city games as well because they're going to be fun um feeling confident and can't wait. Bring them on. I, that's going to be a massive, massive, massive game, and we'll be ready for them. Yeah, excellent, excellent answer. I, I, I was a bit wrong with my maths. I thought we were four points ahead of them. We're three points ahead of them. We've got thirteen. They've got ten. Um, and so, yeah, the, we, by the end of that match, if they lost to Chelsea and us, then we'd be nine points ahead of them, which, which is a uh, pretty crazy on game. That'll be after game week seven. Um, Abdul, I'm going to go back the other way because, you know, I'm interested in how, how you're feeling about Liverpool and, you know, the next fixtures. So Brentford, Man City, Watford and Manchester United are our next opponents. If we're going to look at our rivals around us, so for example, Chelsea, they've got Man City at home, as I said before. Then they've got Southampton at home, Brentford away, Norwich at home. Fixtures, have seen, they seem to be quite, quite, you know, tasty for Chelsea and, and they start getting very difficult. I looked at their um their fixtures the other day and they start to get difficult for Chelsea very difficult actually from December but until then um 
it could be Chelsea and Liverpool at the top of the table if Liverpool can keep up this form, would you say, Abdul? Or do you see Man United doing well, continuing to do well? They've got Villa, Everton, Leicester and then Liverpool in their next four games, which seems pretty tough to me. But I don't know. What's your take on it, Abdul? I think United's fixture list, I remember going through with one of my United friends uh, when Ronaldo signed, but it just literally seemed like the easiest kind of run of games to get him up to form and firing. Um, so I, I definitely expect United to stack up some points. Um, Liverpool's fixtures, I think the interesting thing for me is how does Klopp's rotation uh, factor into this? How does his newfound sense of um, rotation factor into it? Because we have the Norwich match in the EFL on War Tuesday, and then we have Brentford, then we have Porto, and then we have City. And then we've got international break. But I'm trying to like figure out who he would play in each of these fixtures. <clears throat> Sorry. And um, I'm honestly just really unsure. Like off the top of my head, I can't actually think. You would expect that in the EFL, he would just put in complete, you know, second string team. But then Trent was supposed to be getting minutes um, yesterday and he didn't get minutes. I'm sure Robbo is probably feeling a bit scared and territorial with how Simicas is doing. So he's going to want minutes. Um, Virgil, he's coming back from this injury, but he loves playing every single minute of every single match. So I feel like he'll want minutes. Um, Matic was rested. He could have minutes. Um, you know, Henderson has been substituted like twice early. He hasn't really completed a 90 this week. He could play against Norwich. So between Norwich and the Brentford match, Klopp could possibly put in two relatively strong sides and just rotate between certain individuals between them. I'm not sure. Maybe he just go. Maybe he does just go for the for the weaker team uh, for the Norwich match. But I think it's just great that you know we're at a point now as Liverpool fans where we're not desperate to just see the first string every week. We we can go into matches just feeling interested, like oh, Simicast going to play. Okay, yeah, let's see what performance he puts in. Is Origi going to play? Oh, let's see what performance he puts in, you know. A lot of fans were, you know, slagging off our squad depth before the window closed. But I think it's now actually quite an exciting part of our team because um, it's just so many players with points to prove. And I hope that Klopp uh, gives them the opportunity to do so. But yeah, I, I think I think our next few fixtures... It's more a test of Klopp, really, just to see what his idea is around who he's going to play in each of these matches. So, yeah, just really, really interesting. It is really interesting, very much so. Um, I still think we're one short, one defensive, combative midfielder short if and when Fabinho gets injured. I do think we, we could do with another little backup. But, you know, that's just luxury. You know, I think our squad's fine as long as, you know, we don't have too many bad injuries. And of course, Thiago is the latest one. Um, so we wish him all the best. But um, there you go. No, thank you for your for your overviews there on the season. Um, it's pretty much all we've got time for, unfortunately, because I could quite happily um, sit here all day and, and talk to you guys about footy, about the Premier League in general. I've enjoyed it immensely. Uh, something that I, I, we didn't even get a chance to really discuss is Naby Cater's uh, celebration 
after he scored that goal. I think the Liverpool players have got some kind of bet to to, to not celebrate goals, or, or it's, it's kind of funny. Like Salah did that one in in midweek where he sort of put his hand out and wiggled his hand like he wasn't sure if it was a goal or not after he scored uh, the second goal against the uh, AC Milan. Uh, but anyway. We'll see how that pans out. Naby Keita, delighted to see him on the score sheet. And one more thing that I would love to mention is actually Mo Mo Salah's stats from yesterday because uh, if I just bring them up here, they're pretty scary. He had six shots, five of them were on target. He had two key passes. He had a goal, 81% passing accuracy. And he had someone that we've spoken about before, Tyrick Mitchell, having actually a really good game against him. So that's how frightening Mo Salah is. He's my man of the match for yesterday, although big shout-outs to James Milner, obviously, and Alison, obviously. Um, but anyway, thank you very much, uh, Lucy, Abdul, and Brian. It's been more than a joy. It's been wondrous speaking to you all, and I hope you have a lovely day, evening, uh, morning, wherever you are, and for the listeners too. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon, I hope. Cheers, guys. Cheers.